Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Zacks. Ethan, the holiday season is upon us. I know you're a fellow Grinch. How are you <laughs> handling it? I'm okay. I have, and so if we should clarify, and we talked about this a little bit in our like holiday mailbag episode at the end of last year, if folks really want the full picture here, or maybe it was in our, no, it was in our 200th episode where you asked me about being a Grinch. I I like Christmas. Like I like gathering with loved ones. I like having like a big lavish feast. I like being cozy by the fire. I like even decorating a tree. I, the problem I have is, is gifts. I am not, gift giving is not like something that I am good at. I don't particularly care about receiving gifts. My philosophy is like, I'm an adult. I have money. If I want to buy something, if I want something, I can buy it myself and I don't need to tell people to get it for me. And I have already had like, I've already grinched out about that to my wife probably more times than she wants to hear. So I'm trying to keep it on lock, Ben. But thank you for (laughs) giving me a, giving me an out to vent. How, how, How are you handling things these days? I don't like the gift giving. I don't like the <laughs> gathering. I don't like the decorative trees. I like none of it. But I'm doing okay. I'm actually, uh, I have three Christmases this year because I've moved Whoa. back home and none of my brothers are coming at the same time. So um, it'll be good to see each of them individually for some quality time on Christmas. Are you going to gonna be able to sling some spells? Get some like so. se- sealed deck or something going on? I hope so. Yeah, I've got some packs. Maybe we can play some sealed, play some arena. For sure. That'd be sweet. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I remember like, when I mean, just like December or November, I was like, I can't believe it's this. I can't believe it's this just because, you know, lockdown or whatever. I mean, it's, maybe it's different for you because you're just sort of back in person at work. But for me, like lockdown has sort of like everything blends together. Like my weeks and days and months are kind of the same. <laughs> and maybe the weather outside changes, but maybe I don't even go outside some days, you know? <laughs> and so it's just kind of, I'm just like, wow, I, I can't believe it's December already. I can't believe it's going to be 2022 in a few weeks. Yeah, it is going by crazy fast. I will say I have a new teaching job this year for those of you that don't know, and it is going very well. And so normally I would be like counting down the days to Christmas break and I feel fine. I could teach another month or two before Christmas break, which is a new feeling for me. So it's good. Can attest. I think you are the happiest I've experienced you being in the near five years of knowing you. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, so that make that makes me happy in turn. Um, what doesn't make me happy is that we're going to be talking about green <laughs> in Crimson Vow this week. No, but for 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 real, uh, last week we were going to have a little section in the show, and we had typed it up to talk about green when we were talking about the decks that we'd sort of been like you know defaulting into or getting into given that red and black have sort of started to dry up and, and people are catching on to how powerful blood is. And and we were like, eh, let's actually leave this. And I think we have a whole episode to talk about green. You know, we've been sort of doing this in terms of looking at underrated colors in the past few sets. You know, we did a whole episode on red in Midnight Hunt. We did a whole episode on blue in AFR. And that was actually not an episode saying, go draft blue. It was actually the opposite. But I think, you know, worst color doesn't mean blue in AFR. And I think we want to give people the tools to see like, how are we navigating? Navigating into green decks and what do we think green does best in this format and what have we had success with in green? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we get into that, a few housekeeping things to take care of. First things first is the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited. It's where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. Uh, you know, it is the season of giving, may I remind you. And we have a lot of sweet perks over at the Patreon page. Like we said, you know, we just retooled our Patreon reward tiers and now folks get access to the show early. So we're recording here Sunday morning. Once we're done, I'm going to edit it real quick and then post it up on the Patreon feed so you can get that into your earbuds a day early. Uh, you can also get access to some additional pieces of content. Uh, we've posted some some sweet what's the plays or draft log review style things on the Patreon feed for those folks at those tiers. So go ahead on over to patreon.com slash Lords of Limited and see if there's something over there that looks enticing to you and you want to get back to the show. And of course, everybody gets access to the Discord, but we talk about that every week. You know about that. And we want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they joined. So this week we're welcoming Brittany, Thor, Grogue, Taylor, and Wells. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com. Best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. If you make any purchases on the store over there during the month of December, you get entered for a chance to win a PlayStation 5 as well as an Oculus Quest 2 for any purchases that you make. And if you're making any purchases over there, please use code LOL, all caps, let them know that we sent you. Probably a little bit late to be ordering Christmas gifts unless you're like me and do it at the absolute last <laughs> second and pay maximum shipping <laughs> to get everything there in time. Uh, But if you're not that person and maybe you've got some gift cards after Christmas and you want to go treat yourself to some magic cards, use code LOL and 
also want to just shout out and say happy holidays to everyone over at Channel Fireball. It, it really does feel like we're a part of their community, and I'm very proud, and I know we're incredibly thankful to represent them. So thanks, CFB, for including us for the whole year. Ben, so wholesome, so heartwarming. Look, and the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that day, <laughs> I feel like just happened here. Uh, the podcast today is also brought to you by BetterHelp and Magic Mind, and we'll be talking about them a little later in the episode. But for now, let's begin with this statement. Green is the worst color in Val. Why? Like, what makes a color bad or a color the worst color in a limited format, Ben? I think for me, it's usually in a general sense, not even Val specific, just lack of power at common and or lack of synergy at common within itself and with the other colors. Usually weak cards and doesn't play well with others, I would say, are the two two most common strikes against a color. Right. And the, and the reason power level at common is important or depth of commons is important is because, you know, it's not like you're going to have a deck of, you know, 23, 22 commons at the end of a draft. That means something probably went wrong. But you need stuff that's like, you know, C, C plus range to support the good stuff that you do get at uncommon or rare so that the things that you find at higher power level, you get to support them. So you're not just playing like, oh, I got Hullbreaker Horror, but now I'm filling my deck with a bunch of C minuses and D pluses. That feels really bad because the times where you don't find horror, which is going to be, you know, a number of games, your deck is just going to fall apart. Right. And I think if you look in this format specifically in Bow at black and red, or maybe even a slightly lesser extent white, you can go down the list of commons about six, seven, eight commons deep and be really happy with putting those cards in your deck because they're powerful and synergistic with each other and they support the colors and the archetypes game plans. There's a bit of a double-edged sword here sometimes, I think, because because a, a color is so deep, you can sort of trick yourself into thinking it's open. You're like, ooh, a Ragged Recluse and ooh, a Blood Fountain or whatever. And you're like, well, where does that actually rank in my top commons? But the, the fact that you can open a Dreadfeast Demon and know, look, even if black is quote-unquote cut, I can still cobble together commons five through eight or whatever in my ranking and be happy with a deck that supports the powerful card that I got. Um, Additionally, if you're thinking about black, red, and to a lesser extent white, there is inherent synergy within those colors. And it's pretty clear, right? Cards work well together. In black, there's blood, life gain, and a bit of a recursion theme with like blood fountain and uh, courier bat. Red has blood, it has non-creatures matter and the cantrips, and the blood helps make sure that you don't flood while you're burning through all those cantrips that you've got to trigger your non-creature spells mattering. And then white has both life gain and disturb. So there's little packages that you can make work within those colors, and that helps in in the sense of what we've been talking about over the weeks of like, you know, get deeper into a color rather than a color pair, because I think the colors just work well with themselves, and then you pair them with another color that works well with itself, and maybe you find some overlap there as well. Obviously, there's synergy across colors. But in general, I think that inherent synergy within a color to maybe harken back to your synergy theory concept, Ben, is is a really important piece of the puzzle as well. 100%. When it comes to green, first and foremost, it doesn't have good removal, which is really important in Val, right? And and this is just generally a knock against green in, in terms of what it's able to do in limited and magic, like what it's you know piece of the color pie allows it to do. Green rarely gets good interaction, but a three mana instant speed bite spell is a little expensive and sort of then has the setup as bite or fight spells do in terms of you have to set it up on board, you have to pick your spots, make sure you're not casting it into open mana, etc. Well, and normally a three mana instant speed bite spell would be okay. It's just everything is so ratcheted up power level wise that that pales in comparison to the other cards, I think. Well, it also does like there's this weird thing about Wolf Strike specifically in that it doesn't add power and toughness. And this is something that we've said before in terms of bite spells or, or fight spells. It doesn't add power and toughness unless you make it night, which means you have to pass, generally, you have to pass and allow your opponent that window of, hey, I untap. And then even if you do it on upkeep, if they have something instant speed to respond to, then, you know, they have a bleed dry or an abrade or whatever, you're you're just, you have this like, oh, fingers crossed, please don't have anything right here moment that sometimes you do get blown out for. Right, 100%. And I think past that, green's synergies within itself just feel a little scattered and don't quite get there. I think the card that goes best in most decks is Hookhand Mariner. That's the three and a green 4-4 that flips into the 6-4 and can't be blocked by creatures power two or less. That card is good, I think. You know, really well statted, doesn't die to a braid, a lot of the common removal. Like it needs to eat a bleed dry or an uncommon type removal spell. 
Well, and the, the flip side of it, that can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less, hoses a lot of decks. Like a lot of blue-white, one of the best decks in the format, looks at that and goes, oh no, if it if it turns tonight, I can't block this and I'm dead in a matter of turns, right? Now, blue-white can often maybe double spell to flip it back today, but it stands that like, you know, blue-white, some blue-red decks, your creatures are small and cannot interact favorably with a flipped Hokan Mariner. Right. And I think the other card that goes most broadly in green decks is Sporeback Crawler. That's the two and a green three two that when it dies, you draw a card. But it just doesn't feel good to me. And you're never picking it highly. And you're always like, well, I guess I'm putting this in my deck because it's a fine magic card. But it just has no synergy anywhere. Right. Like, yeah, there's nothing synergistic about it. The reason I put it on like it's kind of gluey and green is, you know, if you think about aggro decks are fine to play a three mana three two and, you know, control decks or late game decks are fine to play a little three mana three two speed bump trades draws you a card, etc. But like you said, you're never prioritizing it. And in terms of my like green pick orders, it's it's not high in the pecking order at all. It's weird. It's a good magic card, right? If you put that on a grading scale, like C plus B minus like three, two, three mana, two for one, like it should be better than it is. Well, I mean, it's not that this format is like so synergistic. It just, I don't know. It just doesn't slot in. I can't, you know, I feel put on the spot here. I can't quite figure out why, why does this card not really excel in any of the archetypes? And it just doesn't. It's just not, not great. Not bad, but not great. Yep. I kind of want to shout out Moldgraf Millipede here, which I, I've been playing against <laughs> and playing with a little bit more. Not as like you, a you sound ashamed talking I, about Moldgraf Millipede. I feel ashamed. I'm like I want to shout out this clunky five mana <laughs> Herpaderp card. Like it's not good or whatever, but it has synergy in you know black green and blue green, which have some self mill strats and green white. I did have a, this green white deck earlier this week that had two of the. Uh, uncommon green white gold cards that like care about you know things with plus and plus one counters on them and Moldcraft millipede with that is sweet because the Sagardian paladin can give the millipede trample and lifelink which is what it needs it needs keywords to go along with its stats um so i, f- I found it to slot in again a card like Sporeback crawler like i'm not prioritizing this at all and you can certainly get these on the wheel pretty consistently but one of the things that i've found myself trying to do a lot more in these later weeks of the format everybody you know i had a lot of success early but then everybody caught up on blood right no people know that blood is great people know that red and black are great and so now it's about finding the rest of the format what are the other things in the format underrated cards that you can you know find little spots for what what are the spots the 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 few decks where mulch is going to be good the decks where we're gonna i want to talk about retrieve later but these cards that are underrated where can you find the synergies for them and so moldgraph millipede has had some spots where i'm like oh this has actually quite a bit of synergy with cards xyz so other things that green's got going for it you do have a bit of a late game plan in that you've got weaver of blossoms it's the tuna green two three that lets you tap to add a man of any color double man of any color if it's night and turns into a three four you can use that to let you ramp into a card like Flourishing Hunter. That's the 4GG66 that when it ETBs, you gain life equal to the greatest toughness among other creatures you control. There's an aggro plan that green has as well, but it's kind of split across various cards, right? You can do the human thing, and I've seen Dawn Heart Disciple be actually quite good in a human-focused, often green-white uh, aggro deck. A green-white deck that I think ignores largely training, um, but has like some pretty explosive starts with some Dawn Heart Disciples. But it's awkward because then you've got other another good aggressive two drop in Sporeback Wolf, right? The two mana two two Wolf, but on your turn it has plus O plus two. That's quite hard to block in the early stages of the game. You know, provide some Wolf synergies as maybe you've got a Pack Song Pup or you've got the Outcast to cast on turn four instead. So there's some tension there in terms of am I a human based aggro deck? Am I a wolf based aggro deck? Do these two cards go well together? I kind of feel like they don't. Um, so that's just what we're talking about of like inherent synergy in a color. There's just like inherent tension in green here. I don't even know that there's tension between Dawnheart Disciple and Sporeback Wolf. I think Sporeback Wolf is just a good card in green decks that want to attack. A 2-4 on attacks is just really strong and near unblockable. And I think one of the underrated things that it does really well is it attacks into all the 3-2s. Where most other two drops are going to trade with three twos, it just gets a free attack into those types of cards. I really like Sporeback Wolf and aggressive green decks. Yeah, for sure. And like, it's a card that sort of bet, you know, one of the things that green does best is have combat tracks. And we're about to talk about Massive Might. And I think to a much lesser extent, the web or what a witch's web. Um, I don't even know the card's name. But one of the things that it does well is, you know, Sporeback Wolf attacks into two two twos. 
are you going to really double block that thing? Almost certainly not, right? Right, because you just get owned by massive might. Exactly, which is, I think, one of the, you know, when green is being aggressive, massive might is one of the best things it can do. At common, for sure, yes. Yeah. And then beyond that, and a lot of the cards we've even talked about here, beyond that, there's lots of C-minus level filler and quite a few duds when you look at green's commons. Well, and even some of these cards are like borderline C, C minus. I think the two cards that you're kind of willing to go into green for at common out of weak packs are Hookhand Mariner and Wolf Strike, the removal spell. I agree. So with that in mind, what does that mean for you and the format? And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to discuss exactly that. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, look no further than BetterHelp, an online therapy service. You know, we alluded earlier in the episode, I've not always had the highest job satisfaction uh, to the point where I probably should have been in the therapy, but just never really pulled the trigger. And, you know, have probably roped you into being my therapist at times, certainly have roped friends and family into being my therapist at times. And I've gone so far as to schedule an appointment, but just never quite got the courage to go the next step. And I think if online therapy had been an option or I'd been aware of that, I probably would have taken advantage of it. Yeah, we both believe in practicing self-care and therapy is one of the best ways to improve your mental health. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you in under 48 hours with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule a weekly video or phone sessions, so say goodbye to waiting rooms. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and check out their testimonials. There are new ones posted every day. And what's great about the reviews is they're not just for the website in general, but attributed to each therapist so you can get a real sense of the kinds of people you'll work with. Visit betterhelp.com lords. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. Plus, Lords of Limited listeners get 10% off their first month by visiting betterhelp.com lords. And now, back to the show. So if we're talking about Green's tools and what that means for the format at large and how it fits into the format, I just first want to throw out there that Green in Vow is not even close to as bad as Blue was in AFR, and I feel like people are sort of treating it that way. You know, there's been times I've been past premium premium green uncommons you know pick six seven eight just because people either already have good rares in other colors or you know know that green's the worst color and don't want to draft it but i don't think green being the worst color means that you shouldn't be drafting it so we're going to talk about like what green does at common uncommon rare mythic and then when you're supposed to move it and why do you remember a couple years ago when like i forget this the summer corset white was the worst color and in modern horizons white was the worst color and then we got to throne of eldraine and white was not the worst color but it was treated like it was because of what had happened in the most recent sets yes i think that's what's happening here like afr was such an anomaly in terms of how bad the worst color was in the format that i think now people are going ah red is the worst color in mid and so that means it's unplayable green is the worst color in and we're you know to be fair some people i think don't think that green is the worst color i think we do um for the reasons that we already highlighted but if you accept the premise of green is the worst color in vow then people go oh that means i shouldn't draft it at all yeah just not the case so we've already kind of gone over what green offers at common i just want to reiterate that i think hookhand mariner and wolf strike really stand out as you know sometimes you just don't find a lane in draft. And then these are cards out of weak packs that, you know, you take one and maybe you get another green card a little later and then all of a sudden you're drafting green. And that's not the worst case scenario when you're trying to find your way through a draft. Right. I think it's important as, as I, you know, I've had a lot of coaching sessions this week. And one of the things that keeps coming up is folks like, one, not understanding the reasons they're drafting a color or getting into a color or holding on to a color or when to like stop delaying the decision. Am I delaying the decision further into deeper into pack two to the start of pack three, et cetera. And one of the big things that comes up is just remembering 
why you're drafting a color. And so I think when you get those weak packs where you take a hook, hand, mirror, and a wolf strike, it's not a bad spot to be in, but just remember that like these are not great reasons to draft green. You really want to be drafting green at higher rarity first. And hopefully, you know, those late cards out of weak packs means, hey, nobody else is drafting green because I got this hook hand mariner sixth or whatever. And you'll get the good uncommons or maybe even good rares passed to you later. But just keep that in mind. Yes, I completely agree. I think the broad overarching statement for me or philosophy about drafting green is that you don't generally want to do it at common. But I think if you're waffling or really struggling to find a lane, like green's not a bad place to pick because if you're really not sure what's open, I think it is more likely to be open than some of the other colors. Right. And one of the important things to think about when you're drafting green, because its inherent synergy is kind of all over the place, is think about what kind of deck you're drafting, right? If you're pairing it with white, you're going to be an aggressive deck. So what does that mean? That means probably like Weaver of Blossoms isn't as important. Flourishing Hunter, I think, isn't even as important because like it doesn't actually do the thing that you want your four, five, six drops to do in aggressive decks, which is help you push damage. You know, I think you really want to think about, you know, massive mites are going to be really important in those decks or whatever. Red, green, you want wolves, green, black. How are you grinding, etc.? Like think about the kind of deck you're drafting because you can't just take any old green card and hope that it's going to have synergy in your deck. Yep, 100%. And then if we move on to uncommons, I think green actually offers a lot of good uncommons and some uncommons that are underrated, but still quite good as well. Yeah, for sure. So top of the list here, what do we got? Bramble Worm. That's the (laughs) 7-6 Reach Trample. And when ETBs, you gain five life and you can exile it from your graveyard by paying two and a green to gain five life. This doesn't go in every green deck, but if you want to slow the game down and get to some top end, this is absurdly good in your deck and absurdly powerful. Like the number of times that I've thought, eh, my opponent can't do anything to stabilize here. And then they play their seventh land and play a Bramble Worm. And I'm like, well, crap, (laughs) I don't have any attacks anymore. Yeah, no, it definitely hoses some strategies. I think as I really like that you've put doesn't go in every green deck, but it, it is quite strong. And I think I need much like we talked about infestation expert last week, which is also on this list. Um, I think I do need to bump Bramble Worm up in terms of my, hey, this actually is a reason to draft green if I'm not seeing things that I would rather do that are cheaper. One of the knocks against this, I think probably the biggest knock against it is it's expensive. Yes, but if your deck like I think this goes in black, green and blue, green like super Mm -hmm. well in those two decks and it's not great in red green or green white but if you are drafting blue green or black green i think you should be picking this at around b level i think i think that's fair um we can kind of run through you know infestation expert we talked about last week this is four and a green for a three four when etbs are attacks it makes a one one insect that's day bound night bound side it's a four five and when etbs are attacks you make two one one insects uh this card is great this is just a very very strong card it's I th- it's it's better than all the commons, right? I mean, are you are you supposed to take this over, you know, bleed dry a braid, uh, flame bless bolt? Are you are you doing that or not? Ooh, I hadn't really thought about that. I'm sort of at the point in the format where when I open a pack and a braid is the best card in the pack, and something like the next best card is lantern bearer, and I know a braid is better than lantern bearer, I just want to take the lantern bearer to not fight <laughs> over red. Yeah, like, the times when you the times when I really train wreck or when I draft like good red common, good red common, good red common. Oh, red's really cut. Like, and then it, there's just this awkward tension while you have to try the whole table's drafting red and then everybody shifts and it's just really weird. So I tend to lean elsewhere these days. So I, I think I would take infestation expert over those cards, but that's probably pretty contentious. I think the quote unquote correct pick is probably still flame bless bolt. One, I don't hate that. And two, I think that kind of metagame call is not crazy. Yesterday uh, was the Mythic Championship qualifier. So I pack one, pick one, the like white Mythic. I think it's Hallowed Haunting is what it's called. It's effectively a blue-white gold card. It has as long as you control seven or more enchantments, creatures you control have flying and vigilance. You can ignore that part. And then whenever you cast an enchantment spell, create a white spirit cleric creature token with this creature's power and toughness or each equal to the number of spirits you control. Um, very strong card in a good blue-white deck. Then got past a Blood Tithe Harvester, the red-black 3-2 vampire, and I was like, oh, maybe. And then pack three, I had the choice between a Braid and Lantern Bearer. And I I, I hemmed and hawed because I was like, I want to make the metagame call and say I assume red-black is going to be cut, and I assume that blue-white will be open and Lantern Bearer is going to be so good. But I was like, well, it's MCQ. I kind of feel like I want to like, you know, high roll. And if red black is open, taking this a braid here is going to be so good. Red black was not open. 
Brian Comer got past to me pick six and I ended up with an insane blue white deck. And, you know, I had three lantern bears anyway by the end of the draft. But, you know, that's the kind of thing Ben's talking about here is just like that. I'm like red and black are really contested these days and red black specifically is quite contested. And so it's, it's just hard to navigate into that deck. So, yeah, I don't think it's crazy to take infestation expert over those cards. The the quote unquote correct pick is probably still plain blessed bolt, though. I would stand by that. Yeah, for sure. We've talked about Dormant Grove already. This is the aura um, puts plus most one counters at the beginning of combat. And then if that creature that you put a counter on has toughness six or greater, you flip Dormant Grove into a three six creature with vigilance that gives your other creatures vigilance. Insanely powerful. I think one of the best on comments in the set. Paxong Pup is another one. This is one in a green for the one one. And if you control another wolf, it gets plus one plus one at the beginning of your combat step. And then when it dies, you gain life equal to its power. I think this card's really good in an aggressive wolves deck. But I think that is that is probably only red green but in that red green deck it's extraordinarily powerful yeah i've cooled on Paxong pup a bit just because of its like lack of flexibility because i've i've taken it as a green signal or whatever but then when i end up in a green black deck or a green white deck the critical mass of wolves that i need to make Paxong pup ha- achieve its ceiling that's quite hard to get outside of red green yeah, I think that's fair. Other strong uncommons, you know, Taxidermist is the two mana mana dork that can then become a 4-4 in the late game. Spike, Ripsaw, we've talked about already. And Wolfkin Outcast, we've talked about before. This is the, you know, six mana 5-4, costs two less to cast if you already control a wolf or werewolf. And then the flip side is a 6-5 that says whenever a wolf or werewolf you control dies, you draw a card. Yeah, and then I think if we take a look at gold uncommons, Child of the Pack certainly a very strong reason to draft red green wolves and is just a very powerful card in its own right. And then I think the other gold uncommon that really stands out to me, I guess the black green is fine in its deck and the blue green is fine in its deck. They're all okay. I think the green white one is certainly the least exciting of the bunch, but the spider really does make blue green tick. Now, Mm -hmm. do you want to be drafting blue green? No, but sometimes you're going to find yourself there and the spider is a key card in that deck. I want an honorable mention. I I teased this before. I want to talk about retrieve. So the retrieve is two and a green for a sorcery. You get to return a creature card and a non-creature permanent from your graveyard to your hand. Now, I don't think retrieve is a pull into green by any stretch, but again, it does a lot of small things well in a lot of green decks. It plays well with a couple of mulches, right? Because mulches can mill your non-creature permanents um, or other self-mill cards like the millipede. It also can get back evolving wilds. So, you know, if you don't have other stuff finding their way to the bin, then evolving wilds, if you've cracked already, you can get back. Plays well with, you You know, you've cast a Sigarda's imprisonment and then you've exiled the creature and now imprisonment is in your graveyard. Boom, there's a great non-creature permanent to get back. It's played well with wedding invitation to sneak in large beaters. I had it in a black green deck that just like, I just two-shotted my opponent. Attack, I had the butts deck, attacked with a 13-13, unblockable, retrieved back wedding invitation, and next turn did it again, and they were just dead. Um, just the way they designed black green in the format. Exactly. Um, plays well with Blood Fountain, because Blood Fountain can get back two creatures, then retrieve gets back your Blood Fountain and a creature, and you just like grind your opponent into oblivion i think this card is being slept on and i would encourage you you know if you find your way into green into a you know specifically non hyper aggro version of green look for ways that this card can do some work in your deck and you shouldn't be picking it highly right you should expect to wheel retrieve or get seventh eighth pick out of a pack where you don't care about any other cards yes but these are the things that like i already said these are the things now that everybody knows what the good things to do in the format are these are the ways you gain edges in draft is by finding these synergistic pieces that you can exploit by saying oh this is going to wheel it's why i love selhoff and tumor it's a great card nobody thinks it's great it does a lot of small things well in the format and you can get it super late yeah moving on to the rares what bombs does this color offer i mean first and foremost Averbrook caretaker thankfully i've only faced this card once but i have not gotten to draft it yet which i'm a little upset about yeah i faced this card once and almost beat it and then thankfully best of three then beat my opponent in games two and three and speaking of i loving bombs i'm in favor of bombs i'm gonna be on the mystical dispute podcast this week because last week they talked about bombs but they didn't argue in favor of them they just both were poo-pooing bombs and i was like hey guys (laughs) you need someone on there to defend bombs honor and so i'm gonna i'm gonna go on and tussle with carl and g guards i am on team carl and g guards in this one sorry buddy you're i mean that's it's fine to be wrong you've been wrong before i'm sure you'll be wrong again it's okay <laughs> uh he's Sun- so savage on mystical dispute oh yeah yeah no i will pull no punches i already have like a full google doc written about why bombs are great for limited i'm, <laughs> I'm ready so looking forward to it <laughs> um Glorious Sunrise, I think, is probably the next best 
rare that green has to offer. This is the enchantment. Uh, it's three green, green. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, you choose one. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one and gain trample until end of turn. Target land gains tap, add triple G until end of turn. Draw a card if you control a creature with power three or greater, or you gain three life. This card is just insanely flexible. You know, if you're super behind, gaining three life is great. And then when you can stabilize, you can either start drawing cards to pull further ahead, or you can just close out the game in quick fashion by you know, having this mini overrun effect. There's also Ulvenwald Oddity. That's the 2GG for the 4-4 Trample Haste. And you can pay seven mana to transform it. It transforms it into 8-8 Trample Haste. And other creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and have Trample and Haste. Howl Pack Piper as well. This card is ridiculous. You basically have one turn to answer this, and that's the turn it comes down. But if your opponent untaps with this, you're just done. Three and a green for a 2-2. Oh, by the way, can't be countered. Uh, And then you can pay one and a green, tap it at sorcery speed to put a creature card from your hand into play if it's a wolf or werewolf you get to untap it so you could do it multiple times and then when it flips it turns into a four four you look at the top six cards of your library so like this is like when it enters the battlefield if it's night or when it flips into this night bound side look at the top six cards of your library you may reveal a creature card from among them and put it into your hand holy cow busto busto yeah, that card is absurd. We've got an honorable mention here, Hiveheart Shaman. What's going on there? Uh, this is the three and a green, three, five. When it attacks, you can search your library for a basic land card that doesn't match up with one of the basic lands you have in play. You can put it into play untapped. You rarely get to do that, though that does pair well with Wedding Invitation. Hello, hello. But really, you're playing this card because you can pay five and a green to make a an insect token. I believe it comes in as a one, one, and then it gets plus and plus one counters equal to the number of basic lands you control. So in a two color deck, it pumps out three threes, which is pretty darn good. But I, I have found this card to be maybe a little slow, a little clunky. Obviously, as long as the game goes and it's unanswered, it's going to take over the game. Um, but the fact that you basically never can get the attack in, never can like find that splash color, it's a, it's not quite bomb status for me. Well, and then multicolored rares, Halana and Lena, obviously yeah. absurd. Like one of the best rares in the set. And then Torrin's mm-hmm. Fist of the Angels can really pop off as well in green-white if your opponent doesn't have interaction. So I think, you know, dies to whatever, every removal spell in the format. But if they don't have it, you know, you can pump out a team of training creatures real quick. Okay, so to sum up, when should you move into green and why? Number one, opening a great green rare, one of the ones that we've discussed. Yeah, I think another reason would be being past a late child of the pack after you've been in red or in green that's certainly a card that should solidify you into okay i'm down to draft red green uh being past late green uncommons that are at that b minus and above level the ones we've discussed and then super weak packs where it's really hard to read signals and there are just some solid green commons there you know cards like hookhand mariner cards like wolf strike you take those and maybe you note okay maybe green's not really what i want to be doing but if it ends up to where you have a path to draft green and that gives you a clear path through the draft i think that's not the worst reason in the world to be drafting green and at this point and i would imagine for the rest of the life of the format green is going to be one of the more likely colors to be open and in our experience you're most likely to see good green cards going around late you can also see good blue cards going around late but honestly some of you know blue's commons are contextual to a fault i would say and the blue cards that go around late are also have a similar green problem but sometimes you know you see a late lantern bear sure but then beyond that it's not great you can see these late hookan mariners these late wolf strikes these late weaver of blossoms whatever and, and that can lead you towards a pretty good deck yeah i think for sure so we're going to take a quick break here and then we'll be back to talk about what makes the four green decks tick today's podcast is brought to you by magic mind Magic Mind is a cool little drink that increases productivity and focus. It's an all-natural energy drink made from matcha tea that reduces caffeine cravings and caffeine crashes. Okay, Ben, anyone who watches my stream knows that I routinely go through about six cups of coffee a day, and I definitely get that mid-afternoon crash from the caffeine. That is an absurd (laughs) amount of coffee. I know. It's really not good. I also am thoroughly addicted to caffeine, but my vehicle of choice is Diet Mountain Dew. I probably have three or four Diet Mountain Dews a day. Yeah, that seems absurd to me. So touche to you, <laughs> sir. Uh, so we got this product a couple days ago. We both tried it yesterday and I played a ton of magic yesterday and I went, 
5-3 in the MCQ. And then I quickly rattled off my first decathlon token, went 7-1 in the like vow mid-sealed. And then I beat J-Bro in the finals of an artifact cube draft for the trophy. So coincidence with trying Magic Mind yesterday for the first time? I don't know. You decide. Possibly. I also tried Magic Mind for the first time yesterday, and the taste was not great to me, but you thought it tasted fine. Yeah. So when we talked to one of the guys over at Magic Mind, uh, we had a little chat with them about a week ago just to talk about the product. And one of the things he said, he was like, yeah, you asked like, how does it taste? And he was like, you know, it's it's not great. And then Ben messaged me it and I was like, oh no, I got to like gear up for this thing. I had like a glass of water ready to like wash down the taste. It tasted totally fine. I like sipped mine this morning, the one that I had. It tastes like green tea with a little honey. And so my response to Ben was, you have to eat more plants. Please, (laughs) please eat more vegetables, my friend. Um, So Magic Mind can help fight off procrastination, brain fog, fatigue. So whether you're streaming for long hours, like myself, teaching late in the night, or strapping in for a weekend of long MTG events, Magic Mind could be a great product for you. And if you're not completely satisfied, they offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. You can visit www.magicmind.co slash lords and use code lords20 for 20% off your order. And now back to the show. Ben, I am shocked here. Ben did this part of the show notes, and I am shocked to see the first part of the sentence. He says, through looking at 17 land stats. Are you feeling okay, bud? I was very curious. And, you know, you were talking the other week about how you've never filtered by color pair. (laughs) And I have played with all of these decks a couple of times, right? Like not enough to really feel like I know exactly what's going on, but I've faced them a lot. And I do feel I've played a lot in the format. I do feel like I understand the game plan more from the opposing side, even than from my side for what these green decks are trying to do. But I was curious about what the 17 land stats said. And so, yes, I voluntarily went on 17 lands for the third time, this whole format, <laughs> and filtered by color pair because I was just kind of curious. And again, spent five to 10 minutes on there, and it was very eye-opening. I think the website is great. It's just not for me in large doses or very well, I, frequently. Well, I think for you as well, like you don't get nearly as much time to draft as I do. And so I think when you're going to have your magic time, you want to get your hands you know, dirty, as it were, rather than you know, letting other people do it and see what they're doing. Hundred percent, yeah. So, what did what did you learn? Yeah. So, after doing this, one of the most shocking things was that I think the green uncommons are all just huge parts of the decks being successful. And I think for all three of the decks, other than red green, which relies a little more heavily on great red cards that are just then complemented by green aggressive cards, but blue green, black green, green white, it was just like card quality through and through. Like if you went and ranked the cards by win rate. Like those are the cards that are helping the deck win. I mean, shocking, but just mass numbers of the good uncommons, the top commons. There was not a lot of synergy stuff going on, like weird cards that popped up in the win rates in these color pairs. It was just through and through card quality. Interesting. All right, we'll kick us off here with blue green. What's going on there? So blue green, vile spawn spider is a huge piece of that deck. That's the the blue green uncommon. Blue green for the two three reach. The beginning of your upkeep, you mill a card. And then you can pay two in a green, sacrifice it to make spider tokens, one ones, equal to the number of creatures in your graveyard. Bramble Worm, also outstanding in blue-green. We talked about that earlier in the episode. And I think one of the most important things to keep in mind with blue-green is that you really, really, really want a high creature count in the archetype, like 17, 18 plus creatures, to really make sure that your vile spawn spiders and you know, heaven forbid you go deep with crawling infestations, which I do think blue-green wants to do. Really? Uh, you've you've got to have a high creature count. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Yeah, I have drafted blue green once or twice, never felt good about it. Um, I know that I haven't listened to it, but I've heard a lot of folks championing the Sam Black episode of his podcast about blue green. And and I think one of the big takeaways he had is just like, yeah, this creature count has to be like high teens plus. Yeah. And I think this is also one of the color pairs that actually really benefits from splashing from what it says on 17 lands. You know, it was frequently, you know, red removal spells were popping up there. Bombs were popping up there on the splash. And that makes sense because it does have, you know, some of the best tools to splash. And then I think, you know, lantern bearer plus large ground creatures or large ground creatures plus wedding invitation. All of those are solid plans for blue green as well. Looking up next at white green, 
individual card quality and largely ignoring training theme seeded into the color pair seems to be a recipe for success. You know, th- these these creatures are just so understated, right? The Parish Blade Trainee, two mana, one, two. Yikes. Uh, obviously, I, I re- like really don't want to play a three mana, one, four reach in my aggro decks. The the Griff Rider or whatever, the three mana, two, one flyer, I think you could play that in a pinch just because it's evasive and it's not hard to like, you know, once you get that to a three, two, that's a real threat. But uh, the, the training creatures are just largely way too understated to be worth including in your aggro decks. Well, and the problem with training is that it's okay if you're on the play and you manage to curve out. But on the draw, like, what are you supposed to do? Right. One of the things that I keep talking about on stream or in coaching sessions is that I really don't like the cards in this format that don't let you play a defensive game. Sure. Like one of the things I really like about red black is that, yeah, you can curve out, you know, you want to draft a good curve. You can go two drop, three drop, four drop, whatever, and win a game. But when the game doesn't dictate that to you, when you're on the draw against an aggressive deck and you have to be the defensive player, you know, when you when you're playing a three mana three three in red that can't block, or you're you know the reason I don't like the blue cards like the Weatherlight Spirit, the two three flyer that can only block flyers, or God forbid you're playing Soul Cipher board, that's another three two flyer that can't block unless they're flyers, like or these two mana one twos or whatever, like these cards that just fold when you aren't the aggressor when things aren't working out for you. And and I, that feels like maybe it's a little bit in opposition to what we always say, like, you know, drafting with optimism or building your aggro decks with optimism. But you also have to be a realist and know, like, about half the games you'll be on the draw. And what are you going to do then? Right. Optimism doesn't win you the die roll. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like most other aggressive cards are aggressively statted to begin with. These are like hoping to get aggressively statted. <laughs> Right, exactly. It's like, can I please snowball? Pretty please, fingers crossed. And that's not a great spot to be in. So a good curve in white green is really what you want. And this deck isn't, in fact, greater than the sum of its parts, right? It's not a lot of like, ooh, if I combine card X and card Y, then I boom, get there. You know, maybe you've got the (laughs) Guardian Paladin plus Millipede plan here. But largely, it's just do the cards do the things on their own. And if yes, you're going to have a better deck. And moving on to red green, I think this is the best green color pair. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. And I think keys here, you really want a low to the ground curve. You also really want wolf synergies. So you want cards like Pack Song Pup that are going to, you know, benefit from your other wolves being around. So just great aggressive threats. And then that gets backed up by the cheap red interaction. You know, your flame blast bolts, your braids, your rending flames, and all of that combined, you know, you've got good aggressive creatures, you get good cheap interaction. And then I think at the top of the curve in wolves decks, I've been super happy with, you know, one to two copies of Falcon Rest Celebrants just to make sure that you can stop at five lands and don't flood out. Yeah, well, and also it's a great beater. A 4-4 menace is really hard to deal with in the format. So yeah, name of the game, beat down red green and white green. Definitely want to beat down blue green, black green. Definitely want to go a little more mid range late game. I want to shout out this rare. We haven't talked about it in terms of like the bombs that pull you into a color, but Howling Moon has impressed the heck out of me. It says two and a green for an enchantment. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target wolf or werewolf you control gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. And whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, you create a two, two green wolf creature token. It's just like pushes so much damage in a wolves deck. And then when they flip it tonight, it punishes you for trying to flip it back today. It's wild. I don't know if you've faced this yet, but I have multiple times and it's really hard to deal with. I have also been crazy impressed with Howling Moon, but lots of people I've talked to in the Discord or on Twitch are poo-pooing it. And I have thought the same thing you've had. I've been very impressed with it every time it's been on the battlefield. I haven't tracked it because I'm not a sicko, but I have to imagine my win rate against a resolved Howling Moon is like 15% or something. Like <laughs> I think I have lost to this card many, many times. All right. Last up, we've got Green Black. This is the butt synergy, though you don't have to do it. And I would caution you about like going all in on it because as we've talked about, it's a little fragile. You know, if you're all in on butts and your opponent kills your ancient Lumbernaut, you're going to have a bad time. But, you know, if you can assemble a number of the uncommons like the like this and the, the catapult and whatever, then you, you can really have this synergy be powerful. But you can also just be a raw card quality slash grindy version of this deck. And that's been impressive, too. Yeah. And Flourishing Hunter, best performing common for the color pair for green black. And it really, I think, says that wants the deck to go over the top. For sure. All right. Well, uh, we got some draft logs to take a look at here in terms of how we're navigating our way into green. Yeah, I've got some drafts here. If you want to take a seat at the round table, let's do it. All right. Pack one, pick one. You see the following cards as options. 
common wise diagraph scavengers best black common three and a black with a two three with death touch when etbs exile a creature to have someone drain to gain two and then you also got a braid one in a red for the instant deals three to a creature or destroys an artifact moving on to the uncommons none of them really hold a candle to a braid and then your rare, we could consider moving into green here. Ascendant Pack Leader, single green for the 2-1. ETBs with a plus one plus one counter on it. If you control a permanent with mana value four or greater, and whenever you cast a spell with mana value four or greater, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. Yeah, I think the Pack Leader is super solid. I'd give it probably like a C plus grade. It's a card that I'm happy to play when I know I'm in green, but not a card that I'm happy to move into green for, especially when there's a card like a Braid in the pack. I do kind of want to ask you a question here. Let's say a Braid is a junk what what do you think you take out of this pack it's pretty flat would you would you deign to take the ascendant pack leader here i think i would take pack leader over one of the black cards like gutter skulker is the best blue card i think i would take pack leader and just kind of discount my pack one pick one and draft from there yeah for sure i mean so you've got like arch school of thraben at uncommon and diagraph scavenger at common which i think are both like better quote unquote i think arch school is super underrated right now maybe it will just be like the floor of a three mana three two when it dies you surveil one is just good and then it's not hard to have synergies with it but i i agree maybe you make the metagame call and you just take the pack leader here and say look i don't want to fight i don't want to fight with you people for black well and a braid is the only card that's b minus or above right so i think in general if your first pick is not a B minus or higher level card, you should just ignore it and treat pack one, pick two like your pack one, pick one. And if it works yeah. out that you end up drafting the color of your first pick, great. But you should just assign zero weight to your first pick. I think that's a great philosophy, Ben. All right. So a braid in the pile. So we end up on a braid moving on to pack one, pick two. You see the following cards as options. There's no real commons in consideration. The best one is probably something like Fierce Retribution, one on a white instant, destroy target attacking creature. You can cleave for six to just destroy target creature. We've got some doozies of uncommons and a rare. So Felstinger, two and a black for the 3-2 death touch exploit. When it exploits a creature, target player draws two cards and loses two life. There's also Dormant Grove, 3G for the enchantment. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus plus one counter on target creature you control. Then if that creature has toughness six or greater, you transform this into a three six vigilance that gives all your other creatures vigilance. And a rare still in the pack, pick two, Dollhouse of Horrors. Five mana for the artifact. You can pay one, tap, exile a creature card from your graveyard. Make a token that's a copy of the exiled card, except it's a construct uh, in addition to its other types and has that it gets plus one plus one for each other construct you control. Yeah, Dollhouse is nutso. I would definitely take it here. I don't know what your neighbor took at Uncommon over Dollhouse, but uh, I don't think it was correct. Yeah, I agree with that. So I snapped up the Dollhouse here. What do you like between Dormant Grove and Felstinger if the Dollhouse isn't here? Oof. I mean, in the abstract, I think I like Felstinger more. In like they're very close, but in the current climate, I think I would take Dormant Grove here pretty happily. Yeah, it's tough. I think I would still take Felstinger, but I agree that you're more likely to end up in a spot where something's open if you take Dormant Grove. And while we're talking about powerful uncommons, I want to talk about Bioloom Egg for just a quick second. I know it's not a green card, it doesn't (laughs) fit in with the theme, but you know, you sort of alluded to this a few weeks ago where you were like, I wonder if the, the win rate is so high because I said, oh, it's like the second best performing uncommon in the set. And you're like, well, I wonder if its win rate is so high is because like it's just so clear if you should or should not include it in the deck. Like, do you have exploiters? Then play it. If not, don't play it. It's been really awkward for me to take, and I've had the pick a few times, to take Biolumag over something like Diverscob because Biolumag outside of Blue Black, which it's hard to get into Black these days, it's going to be tough to get the critical mass because you basically just want stitched assistance at common. I'm just so low on repository scob. I found it to be awkward enough in a lot of decks. And even in blue black decks, because your creature count is so high, your spell count at the end of the draft is like you one instant and one sorcery or whatever. I've just found Biolumeg like it really restricts the picks that I get to make in the future of the draft. And then sometimes even ends up on the sidelines. Yeah, I can see that for sure. All right. Well, just wanted to have a little little <laughs> chat about that card. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so I, I think both Dormant Grove Felstinger are really, really powerful cards. All right. So we snap up the Dollhouse of Horrors. Moving on to pack one, pick three. See the following cards as options. This is a terrible pack of Magic the <laughs> Gathering cards. It really is. There's Weaver of Blossoms, 2G for the 2-3, tap to add one mana of any color. It's got Daybound, flips to the 3-4 at night, and then it can tap to add two mana of any one color. 
other cards in consideration in the pack. There's like a pointed discussion. That's the black source that lets you draw two, lose two life, make a blood token. There's, I don't know, Hungry Ridgewolf, one in a red for a 2-2. We've gotten a braid. I think Hungry Ridgewolf is the best red card in the pack. Uh, gets plus one plus oh as long as you control another wolf or werewolf and gets trample. Yeah, this is a yikes. And then like your uncommons are Soul Cipher Board and Honeymoon Hearse, which are both, in my mind, strictly unplayable. Yeah. This is a really bad pack. I think Hungry Ridge Wolf is like bad enough slash, I don't know, narrow enough. Like effectively, you just want to play it in a red green deck. I have had decks, though not in a while, that just like have, you know, you get a bunch of Ridge Wolves, you get a bunch of the Fearless Villagers. You can have a red, a good red wolf werewolf package inherent to red, but, you know, I don't want to bank on that here. I think this is a good spot to take Weaver of Blossoms, which is kind of wild. That's what I did. I, you can make a case for Hungry Ridge Wolf. To me, I've been very unhappy playing Hungry Ridge Wolf. I just think it doesn't do enough later in the game to be worth including, except in the most aggressive of Wolves decks. Yeah, for sure. All right, so snapped up the Weaver of Blossoms. Moving on to pack one, pick four. After having a Braid, Weaver, and Dollhouse in the pile, you see the following cards as options. There's my boy, Traveling Minister, white for the 1-1, one, one, <laughs> tap, target creature gets plus 1 plus 0 until end of turn, and you gain a life at sorcery speed. There's Ragged Recluse as the best black uncommon. There's Ragged uh, Recluse as the best black common. I wanted a black for the 2-1. At the beginning of your end step, if you discarded a card this turn, you transform it into a 3-3 three, three that when it attacks, you drain one, gain one. And then moving on to the uncommons, there's Brambleworm still chilling here. That's 6 and a green for the 7-6 reach trample. When it ETBs, you gain 5 life. And you can pay two and a green to exile from your graveyard to gain another five life. So someone took a common. There's a rare and uncommon and a common missing out of this pack. Someone took a common over Brambleworm. Which isn't crazy, right? No, but I think this is the point where you start to see signals, right? I just think it's important to start clocking when people have taken commons over uncommons. Because that's when you start to really see signals. If there's just rares and uncommons missing or uncommons missing, you don't really have much info. But no. And while there are commons that you take over Brambleworm, there are no green commons that you take over Brambleworm. And I think so that most likely points to your neighbors having taken a red or a black card, I think, to me. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's a really smart thing to pick up on. And this is a great spot. Like You feel like a genius having just taken the Weaver of Blossoms because it pairs so nicely with Brambleworm, not only because they're both green, but that the Weaver of Blossoms helps you accelerate into the Brambleworm. So I think it's also reasonable to think about taking Traveling Minister here, right? Like if you don't want to get into green, Traveling Minister pulls me into white at least. Does it pull you into white? Yes, it does. I still have it as the best white common. Okay. Um, so I think you could make a case here for just ignoring the, the last pack and the Weaver of Blossoms and taking Traveling Minister here. I think Dollhouse sort of leads you to not want to play a super aggressive deck. And I think exactly. if you're on track to play red, white, that's a little awkward. I think dollhouse plays better in a deck that wants Bramble worm. Right. And you know, taking traveling minister, not that you have to pair it with any of the things you have, but I am less excited to play red, white, or white green. Whereas I think I'm like, ooh, Weaver and Brambleworm and Dollhouse all sort of play well together. I'm also, I there's a mulch in the pack and that's likely to wheel because <laughs> nobody wants mulch. Mulch is good with Dollhouse, right? Like It is, it is. So like fueling your graveyard, making sure you hit land drops to cast your Brambleworm. Mulch is also good with Brambleworm because you whatever you've been it and then you have your free five life. Like I think uh, that's the kind of thing I want to think about. So I'm, I'm happy to take Brambleworm here. Yeah, I did as well. I just want to point out that I think it is totally reasonable to take Traveling Minister here too if you want to go down that route. So that seems to me like you hate green. If you make the argument for taking Minister here, that makes me feel like you hate green. I mean, I'm not making the argument for doing it. I took the Brambleworm. But I think a person could if they didn't like green, if they feel worse about it than you and I do. And there are people that feel that way. Well, but I want, I mean, if we have any sort of thesis for this episode, it's don't feel that way. Like, <laughs> ha, I mean, the, the Weaver plus Brambleworm in your pile is better than Minister. Yeah, I think so. All right. So don't, so then tell people they're wrong and they should feel bad. That's what I, I need you. I need that. We need the hard putting our foot down here. All right. Yeah. Limited. Don't, don't pick traveling minister. <laughs> Take the Brambleworm and pass me all the traveling ministers when you're in my pod. There it is. Got it. <laughs> Okay, so we take the Bramble Worm, moving on to pack one, pick five. 
another dud of a pack here. Pretty tough. Yeah. So only green card in the pack is Crushing Canopy, which should be like, whoa, maybe I need to move off of green now because you definitely do not want to fight over green with people. No, you do not want to fight over green. And let's just chat briefly about Crushing Canopy. I have seen people main deck this in best of one decks. And that is wildly incorrect. Please stop doing that. I don't know. Is it? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Uh, we're also looking for a new co-host here on Lord's Lane. Yeah, tell me why you want a main deck crushing canopy. I think a lot of the green decks are weak to flyers. I think that's a way a lot of decks attack in the format. Like, I think green's already got good game against black and red decks because you go over the top of them a little bit. And then so the white and the blue decks, which gives you problems do have the flyers and then your green creatures are also vulnerable to stuff like you know the white uh cigarda's imprisonment or whatever it's called and you can blow that up i don't hate a copy of crushing canopy main especially if you've randomly got some blood floating around i think that's kind of maybe passable not good but defensible i have nothing to say here i feel (laughs) i feel betrayed (laughs) and i feel sad I can maybe see it if you have some blood in your deck, but that just seems really bad to me. That just seems like you're signing up to have a dead card in your deck in like, I don't know, 60% of your matchups or something. Yeah, I mean, you want blood. I, I would say I would have to have access to blood before I would do it. Okay. All right. So not a great pack here. Also literally zero white cards in the pack if you had taken the traveling minister. So you're in a tough spot no matter what. So we see the following cards as options. There's a Wretched Throng or a Scattered Thoughts as the best blue commons. There's a slew of black cards in Rottide Gargantua, which has been owning me recently. Yeah, the three black, black, it's... five, four, exploit. When it exploits a creature, each opponent sacrifices a creature. In both the high-level events, the Arena Open and the MIQ yesterday, like Rottide Gargantua has just crushed me. Yeah, I, I think it looks clunkier than it plays. I, I agree. It has felt very good uh, both for and against me. And I like the card, but I just haven't, I don't know, maybe I'm not picking it as highly as other people are because I have not gotten to play with it as much as I like the card and it has been very impressive. So there's that. There's a persistent specimen, the 1-1 Skelly that can come back. There's gluttonous guest, two in a black for the 1-4. When it ETBs, you pick a blood token. And whenever you sack a blood, you gain a life. And that's about it. I mean, you've got a lot of mediocre commons that are not in your colors. Yeah, I mean, I would take gluttonous guest here because I think it's the best card in the pack but with the assumption that I will not get to play black in this draft. Like even though there's, you didn't mention the Doom Descender, there's four black cards that you can be happy to play in this pack and it's pick five, but they're not the top commons, right? They're not, I mean, Gluttonous Guest I still probably have as number two, but maybe that's even shifted given the fact that you can't get into black reliably enough. And so maybe it's down in the pecking order. But anyway, like you're happy to play these black cards, but they're not, very good black commons and so i still feel like it's going to be fought over i was kind of torn here also like i was considering the doom descender and the rot tide gargantua as well because i Uh think both of those cards play better with the dollhouse than gluttonous guest does like rot tide gargantua in particular is really impressive with dollhouse that's fair i think that's actually not a bad argument I i could be sold on that for sure right now yeah, so I was torn. I ended up on the gluttonous guest, but I didn't know what was right. Maybe, I mean, I'm just so averse to drafting blue-green. Maybe the right pick here is Scattered Thoughts, because again, it play, like it digs you towards Dollhouse while binning creatures for Dollhouse. Yeah. I just I don't I just don't want to be blue-green. <laughs> yeah, I also do not want to be blue-green. Moving on to pack one, pick six. See the following cards as options. So again, no real white. There's only an Adam at will, so it looks like Traveling Minister wouldn't have worked out great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no red or black cards to speak of really like the best red card is a reckless impulse best black cards an undying malice and then in green there's a flourishing hunter hanging out yeah that feels pretty nice i mean again i do think flourishing hunter is probably the best card in this pack it's that doesn't speak very much to the power of the pack but that's a good spot to be in pick six to say hey i'm in green and the best card is green so that feels like check check right and you know your weaver and your gluttonous guest are also going to set it up to gain three gain four like you really want some of those early Mm -hmm. high toughness three and four drops before you're really happy with flourishing hunter agreed all right so we snap that up moving on to pick seven again super weak pack there's no white cards in the pack again best black card in the pack is probably a ragged recluse in green there's a mulch and in blue there's probably the best card in the pack which is cruel witness two blue blue for a three three actually ragged recluse is probably still a better card than cruel witness but uh, cruel witness the three three flyer 
Yeah. Yeah. Cruel Witness has impressed over the past week or two, I think. As flying is good and limited. I know we, we always have to relearn that every format, but it's it's still true in Vow. Uh, I mean, hot take here, but you've got three green cards, and I already talked about that I think Mulch plays well with both Dollhouse and Brambleworm, that I would take Mulchier myself. Yeah, I could actually see it. And then that sort of sets you up to that, like, if you've been the Dollhouse, then you can use Retrieve to get the right. Dollhouse back. If you get a Retrieve, it's going to help you hit land drops to get to your Flourishing Hunter and your Brambleworm. I kind of like the Mulch pick now that you talk about it, but I ended up on Ragged Recluse in the moment as like, if I were going to be black green, I'd want the Ragged Recluse. But even in black green, like you're probably not going to have a ton of blood to flip the ragged recluse with. Yeah, I've just found again, like I've been saying all episode, people know that blood is good, and so it doesn't go late. So recluse, I found to be real. Like I'm like, oh, I guess it's going to be a two mana two one most of the time. And then maybe I've got these four or five cards that can flip it. But like one of those cards is a grizzly ritual. So like, does that really count? Probably not. Like I found it to be hard to. Um, I found it to be hard to flip. And and the other thing I will say is I just feel better at this point in the draft to have four green cards than to have three green cards and two black cards. And especially the two cards of another color being in black, a color that I expect to be pushed off of more often than not. Yeah, that's fair for sure. I, I like the mulch pick. Moving on to pack one, pick eight. See the following cards as options. Really, the only option is Lantern Bear. It's far and away the best card in the pack. It's blue for the 1-1 flyer with Disturb. Um, and then you can put the aura on the backside for two and a blue to give a creature plus one plus one and flying. Only green card is crushing canopy. There's no black in the pack. Yep. I like taking Lantern Bear here. This just still shocks me. I don't understand. I feel like everybody knows that Lantern Bear is the best blue common and, and it's one of the best commons in the set. And I just don't understand when it goes so late like this. Yeah. So what are you thinking here? Like, let's just pause and kind of Zoom out. What are you hoping for the rest of this draft? What is your plan? So let's say you took the mulch over the ragged recluse. You've got the four green cards, Brahma Worm, Flourishing Hunter, Weaver, Mulch, and then you've got an Abrade, a Gluttonous Guest, Lantern Bear, and you've got your Bomb Rare in Dollhouse. What's the plan? Um, well, first of all, I'm thrilled with how this pack has gone, to be honest. I feel like I largely got to take the best card out of every pack. Um, I have a great late game bomb card in Dollhouse. I have good ways to support it. I'm deep in one color and have outs to be in any color starting in pack two. So my goal right now is through the next whatever picks on the wheel is to get deeper as deep into green as possible. If any of like some, I mean, we didn't really see other good green cards. There's just like some crushing canopies, but if some green commons float around, happy to snap them up. Otherwise I'm just open for whatever as my second color in pack two. And I guess even could get pushed off of green, like don't maybe want to marry myself to green for Weaver, Hunter and Brambleworm. But I think that's a really solid start for a green deck. And I expect that I can support that through pack two and pack three. Right. The one other thing I would be thinking about is maybe if we're not red, could potentially want to try to pick up an evolving wilds or whatever to splash in a braid. You've already got the Weaver like that's super reasonable as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So pack one rounds out with some blue. Uh, you get Selhoff and Tumor on the wheel into Stitched Assistant, into Alchemist Retrieval, into another Stitched Assistant, which I took over a Mulch, um, which maybe should have been Mulch. And then a pick 13 Scattered Thoughts. So really got hooked up in blue on the wheel. Um, pack two, pick one, another pretty weak pack. Took a Wolf Strike, pack two, pick one. And that kind of cemented me into green after getting past pack two, pick two Infestation Expert. So was kind of locked in on green and the rest of the draft wound out that I ended up in a blue green base with a very sweet looking blue green deck had double infestation expert had vile spawn spider had triple wretched throng two self and tumors to pitch the wretched throngs for some card advantage some interaction in wolf strike uh, your favorite have crushing canopy in the main here oh my god it's hideous <laughs> I can't I can barely look at it yeah um and I think one thing that this deck would have benefited from is a mulch or two, and I have them in the sideboard. So maybe that crushing canopy should be a mulch. Yeah, I think mulch looks good here, especially you've got uh, one lantern bear, so also plays well with disturb. I don't know, does does a lot of small things mediocrely, I guess is how I would describe the card. But yeah, it also fuels your vile spawn spider. Yeah, sweet looking uh, little blue green deck here. Yeah, it was uh, a nice deck and a nice draft. And I think that kind of just shows that's more the way of like, well, we had some weak packs, we took some green cards, and then we kept getting past green cards. So we ended up in green. And I think that's one of the ways to do it. Yeah, for sure. So go forth, 
Do not fear green, but also draft it appropriately. Yes, go forth, do it, but with caution. <laughs> All right, great place to wrap up the episode. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels. Make sure you check out our intro and outro music. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. We really do feel part of the CFB family. And if you're heading over there for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL at checkout to let them know we sent you there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter. Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. You want wolf synergies. You want cards like Pap Song. You want car- <laughs> You've done that already too, haven't you? No, that was you, Pap Smear Pup. <laughs> was it? Yes. Man, it's in deep. <laughs> <laughs>